Hello everybody, uh, thank you for tuning into the show again. Today we're going to be talking to the wonderful Terry Pycroft um, about living with a stammer. My name's Chris Sutton and this is Mental Conversations. I'm sure I can be so and we're rolling, that's it. <laughs> um, so, uh, welcome everybody to the show. Um, Terry, thank you so much for coming in. Thank you for the invitation. No, no problem. Um, so I'm sat here with the wonderful Terry Pycroft. Um, and <laughs> you're shaking your head a bit there. <laughs> um, so uh, we know each other because of the organisation where we work. And you head up um, the Disability and Wellness Network. Yeah, Disability um, and Wellbeing Network. Wellbeing, yeah. sorry. Yeah. And I um, had no idea what your disability was. I'd spoken to you for quite a long time and still didn't know what your disability was. And it's not something you ask people about because mm-hmm. some people don't yeah. want to talk about it. And then you, um, well, I'll hand it over to you to explain. Um, and it piqued my interest and really wanted to talk to you about it. So... Um, I'll, the floor is yours, let's have a chat. Okay, so obviously I'm 53 years old now, I have a, a, a speech impediment and I've done since early years, childhood, went through all the school experiences of having a speech impediment. So mm-hmm. I'm going to go back, because obviously there's different words, stammer, speech impediment, um, other kind of uh, analogies or words kind of yeah. terminate. Um, ways of referring to it, but that becomes mine affects me as as a a block when I can't physically say a word mm-hmm. or a certain sound, and then when you kind of try and avoid that word and sound, it becomes other sounds as well. So sometimes you could say certain words, and other times you can't. Right. So different people have different ways. Some people can hide it as well, so they can. It's a, a disability that's not quite an obvious disability. It's hidden. Yeah, it is. It's a hidden yeah. disability, and I think. Just to go through a little bit the maybe the history of how I am, where I am, and yeah. the role I am. Yeah, that would be great. People will understand that all is not lost because many, many years ago I I said totally opposite. Yeah. I said, you know, what what was there for me? Yeah. Really, when you can't have a conversation. Well, I know you. I know a bit of your story from conversations we've had over coffee, mm. and uh, yeah, I'd I'd be really grateful if you could could tell that story because uh, I think it will help a lot of people. Yeah, and. and and that's what I want to do. I'm, I'm here to kind of help support. I think that's why the time is now for people to kind of, you know, we've heard more of the other networks and other people supporting others. And I think yeah. I'm quite happy to share the story. So I think I'll try and go through that. And if there's bits of it you want to maybe ask a little bit more about. Okay. So school, obviously you can imagine, no conversation, avoiding conversations, uh, being ostracised at school, mm-hmm. bullied, all the usual kind of stuff that you normally get with things like that, uh, ridiculed and more besides, so it's quite intense and quite affects me personally, mentally. Yeah, absolutely. So there's all that. So you go to, to speech therapy at school, unfortunately for me that didn't kind of work. Um, that went on, so I used to give money to friends that I knew that I could maybe have a, a, a few words with, a conversation with. They'd either get me sandwiches at school or pay for things at school yeah. or bus fares. I'd never get the bus, I'd normally walk, couldn't ask for anything. Yeah. So you can imagine any conversation I would avoid. Yeah. Um, so probably ostracised myself as well. It must have been really difficult for it's, when you're trying to fit in in any like anyone trying to fit in at school is is difficult. And you just said there, you know, normal kind of things at school. 
you know, but it's not, is it being bullied and picked on and, and feeling different like that must have been exceptionally painful and very like lonely as well for you. Very, um, very, very lonely. I think that, I think that it got to a peak maybe in my what, 13, 14, 15 year old at school when I'd avoid school and go missing when t- teachers used to ask people to read out. Yeah. It just couldn't be my worst nightmare. Yeah. And it just got more and more apparent that I was having to do it. People were asking me to do it. So um, you actually took yourself out of school? You just stopped just showing missing. up? Just went missing, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I've had a number of occasions doing that. So that obviously didn't help my education either. Mm-hmm. So I think that just gives you a bit of an insight into the, the school years. Yeah, it does, yeah. I mean, and it sounds, like I say, it sounds, it, you know... Um, I do want to make this about your your history so that people can benefit from that. But so you know, you know my um, the biggest obstacle I face is is anxiety, and you know that's another silent um, um, kind of sorry invisible um, disability. And I similarly would take myself out of situations because I found it I couldn't I couldn't actually bear facing up to. Um, being in certain situations, like I never went into the school canteen, you know, because I was too anxious about not knowing what to do, actually. Yeah. So there, there's some similarities there. So, you know, but, um, so you've, but you've, so you've got through school. And what did you do in terms of qualifications then coming out of school? Well, um, at, the, at that age, 15, you can leave school. It didn't really matter what you'd actually achieved qualification-wise. But I had to think about a job where I wouldn't have to speak or have, have conversation. So I had to I put myself, so I, university was totally off the scale anyway. Yeah, yeah. Um, I got myself, I thought about, I'd be a, a vehicle engineer. Mm-hmm. I, wouldn't have to, I wouldn't have to speak to vehicles, would I? I could just repair them and yeah, keep yeah. my head down. Of course. So I put an application into a, a Bradford Authority as an apprentice engineer. Mm-hmm. My dad, again, he had the same issue as me, speech impediment throughout his life. Right. Um, he told me just to, you know the way to do it is to apply early, get your name, get your name in. Mm-hmm. And everything else I actually applied, and but was shortlisted a, a year before I was able to leave school. Wow! So wow. we had to contact him and say he couldn't make it because he's not quite old enough. <laughs> anyway, yeah. So and that I'll just I mentioned that before for a certain reason because the following year when I was leading up, up to school, I said that not doing the best at English and maths and some other stuff because trying to avoiding lessons and kind of my head being in different places and not really wanting to engage yeah. trying to avoid in speaking um, due to leave school at the time we'd done the exams and what have you but didn't have the results mm-hmm. so I put an application again for the same authority thankfully they saw the, the when I, I got shortlisted again Yeah. and actually at the interview they actually had my original letter from the year previously oh really? yeah so as an authority the three or four people on the panel Oh wow! Yeah, you're yeah. like on the X Factor when they say come back next year yeah, and try yeah. again. <laughs> come back next year, yeah. But, on the, but but you know, looking back as an organisation, I want to say about Leeds as well. But as organisations, authorities, and what have you, quite, you know, at the end of the day, the interview was horrific. Well, I was going to ask speech. you what happened at the interview then. Not much. Right. I just couldn't say much. Obviously, they appreciated. I've got. I've obviously got the issue because it was blatantly obvious. Apparent. Yeah. Okay. The team members in there. They took that on board, appreciative mm-hmm. of that. So I went, um, did the interview, managed to struggle and answer certain things I could do, but they appreciated that. We obviously got a problem. Yeah. I had to try and explain to them what that was. Thankfully, 
I was successful at the job. Yeah. One or two other engineers, apprentices at the same time. Yeah. So I was to be thankful of that, and that was about 1982. Right, I was just going to ask you what year. <clears throat> but your work ethic, from, from what I know of you now, I mean, you know, this is an assumption that you had the same one there, would have helped you through that in terms of once you got the job, demonstrating your skill and your, you know, um, your drive to kind of work. Yeah, I think, I think, I think with people with d disabilities, obvious disabilities, hidden disabilities, Sometimes you go the extra. I just perceive I, I went the extra mile. Yeah. Because I almost as if I I owed I owed I owed the the organisation that level and a of lot, effort. Yeah, a lot of that is actually psychological. I think, isn't it? That you're yeah, yeah, kind of yeah. that you that it's a, there's an irony there somewhere. If I'm clever, if I was clever enough to understand irony, um, that you that that the thing that you know you feel has held you back in some respects makes you does make you work harder so you gain from it yeah. in some respects I certainly feel like that with my anxiety I try harder because I worry about getting in trouble and I worry about getting yeah, things yeah, wrong yeah, so, so, so I yeah. actually check yeah. things more or try a bit harder yeah, yeah. and so, so actually as an employee it makes you know again I see some similarities yeah I think I think there's that about the working harder the ethic but I think the the disability I've got offers a lot more as well because mm -hmm. actually, I think I can tend to read people in conversation. I'm more of a yeah, um, kind of more of an understanding individual, mm -hmm. and I appreciate other people that have other issues, yeah, problems, and maybe more sympathetic than most. Yeah, a lot and always of, have been more compassion. More kind of, of, yeah. So, so actually, you know, without wanting to um, stereotype a whole generation, the fact that you had people back in 1982 that were, you know, that looked past that or looked... Because now, like you've just said, every, every disability comes with a flip side where there are actually positives that come out of it. Like you said, yeah. because it's, it's enabled you to be more... And so, I don't know, someone who is hard of hearing, um, their eyesight might be more keenly trained than someone yeah, who... You know, yeah. think, things, like, things like that. Yeah. So, um, so now it's very much seen in today's society. There's... Um, employees in particular looking at well okay well if that's a disability well there are other abilities that may be heightened or you know so so and everyone has skills but in 1982 i would think it was probably quite a different picture there so those people that were on that panel were were a, a real uh, kind of help to you then weren't they you're quite in all honesty i think i owe them everything just it's hard to imagine one of them i do, I do still see I'm oh really yeah yeah oh so wow do, that's incredible meet him and he kind of uh, i think of um, showing him what I've, I have achieved. Wow, he must life. be so, well, so proud. Yeah, so unbelievable. Proud. Yeah, so and I've got lots of kind of things like that through 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 the life through my life. Yeah, where I've met people and certain things and aspired to do more and people that, that have helped me. Amazing. And I think you know when we talk to maybe, maybe later life years, you'll maybe see some of the other stuff I managed to achieve. Oh, there's one, there's one thought. You know, you know what I'm talking about. Yeah, I just, just I just, just, I'm gonna, I'm gonna cry. Just save, I know I'm save already yourself, gonna cry. Save yourself for that one. <laughs> you got plan. So we, so I started as an apprentice engineer at the local authority in September '82, uh, with a number of other apprentices at the time, um, and I think I was really, really keen then. I'd, I'd got the results came in then after I'd started work and I'd mm -hmm. got, um, I hadn't got my English, I hadn't got my maths, Yeah. I kind of failed everything. Okay. But they still persevered and let me, but I showed myself as an engineer I think and the skills that I had. Mm -hmm. So when we went to, to college, we signed up and when everybody else left it, you know, so they used to go to college days, we were nine o'clock in the morning until nine at night. 
And when everybody else had gone home, I went up to the next wing because I asked if I could learn at maths, doing maths all level and English all level. Right. So I stayed the extra few hours God. at night. And wow. So one of the lecturers was prepared to train me yeah, and okay. stay behind. So we did. We worked in the other wing. So I could get my maths and English, otherwise I wouldn't be able to do the engineering continue. Another amazing person in your life, then. Another, another one, yeah, that's yeah. Made, made a massive impact so, to me. Yeah. People do that and go the extra mile. Yeah, absolutely. But someday, if you've got, well, you got to ask. Yeah. If you ask, people, I think that's one of the things, I think, for me in life, is if you don't know, just be prepared to ask somebody. That's the important that's lesson. knows the better thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Met, a lot of people have all the answers. Not everybody knows everything. No. But there's a lot of people that won't step up and just say, well, I don't really know. I don't know. Explain this to me. Yeah. Or ask the right question. Yeah. That's something that's one of my main ethos, really. If you don't know, okay. ask. Don't be afraid to ask. I'm going to take that one on myself, actually. Exactly. So, yeah. So then, yeah, so I started working at Authority. I completed my engineering. So I got the, the, really the highest ranking. I got the, the technician, like vehicle technician. Mm-hmm. I got the heavy goods engineering. Yeah. Certificate, sitting gills, one, two, and three. So I've got quite a, one of the, the high achievers on the engineering mm-hmm. side of things. And then from that, went on to become a supervisor. A workshop. So when you became a supervisor, how did um, how did that affect you then? Because um, that surely that involved talking with. Yeah, well, this is another time. So this is another person in my life that I still see regular. Mm-hmm. That um, I wasn't going to apply, and they came back, and this was one of the the manager. Yeah. Was saying, I think you need to apply. Right. And I said, okay. well, I can't apply because I can't use a phone. I'm conversation, and everything else. But he said, well, I, I think you can do it. Yeah. You need to do it, and we'll find. Uh, ways other people will help, right? Yeah, you know, what have you? But I think that kind of work ethic, the kind of person I was to get things done, give and me that opportunity. Did you come across any kind of, um, you know, barriers in terms of people when you were, you know, like so you were saying about being bullied at school? Um, when you were in the work environment, was it ever something that have you ever been, you know, come across people um, being nasty about it in that environment or? But, Far from it. I think I've seen the opposite. I think I've seen the caring side of people, but again, people that I've asked, involved, ask them to help. And yeah. When people want to help, and you tell them you've got a problem, people yeah. normally want to help. Well, I think, and that's, I think that's part of it. I think that's a really big part of it, is that your, your personality and the way you are with people and the way you treat people, you know, probably actually attracts people to be kind, polite, and, you know, to, to, and respectful to you as well. So a lot of it is probably how you, you know, your behaviour, and like you said, your ability to ask questions and ask for help, um, it's going to take a pretty, um, you know, not a particularly nice person to, to throw it back in your face, yeah. isn't it? So yeah, yeah. there is a lot there about attitude, but I wonder where that came from, I wonder where within you that's, that's come, you know, where you've learned that from. I think it's, it's the traits, it's your, your fam, family traits that you taught, I think, from, from a, my yeah. father was kind of a similar person. Right. If you want to get things done, and you get things done, and you're limited with communication skills, mm-hmm. trying to involve people and help them to help you get the right outcomes, I think that's so it's part of the yeah. learning curve, I think, through, through life with the yeah. problems that we've had. Yeah, yeah, we, we all learn for a lot, so much from our parents. Which is one of the things I want to get to with your relationship with your your children that we've talked about before. Yeah. yeah. Um, so so what what happened next? So uh, I got the I did the supervisor role. Mm-hmm. Um, couldn't use the phone. If the phone bell rang in the workshop, might be just going to freeze. Mm. A lot of people there to help. Um, and met my young lady. Um, so how did that happen? How was really? it, how, how does that go? How does 
meeting no. meeting the love of your Debbie, life. Debbie, yeah. How, how does that go? It how? goes like this. It goes that when I, I found that when I could when I was old enough to drink alcohol, I found that alcohol was the, the what is it? I could speak fluently. Right. Okay. When I was I'd, when I'd had something to drink. Yeah, my so Spanish is amazing when yeah. I'm when I've had a few drinks. So the long so st- so, yeah. So, <laughs> so the, the long story there with that one. But at the end of the day, I used to used to used to go out weekends occasionally, and then I'd go out and I'd, I'd have something to drink. Yeah. Um, but I said, um, you go to town. Sometimes then I'd maybe within the first few weeks I'd to explain to her. Yeah. What the problem was, she again, she was really sympathetic and helpful. Mm-hmm. She'd always go to the bar. Right. If I ever wanted anything, she'd go on. It yeah. made me feel, I did feel awkward. I, did, I didn't enjoy it. I didn't like that. But, yeah. Uh, means to an end. Really, yeah. Because otherwise I wouldn't be able to go out and socialise. So the problem is then you want to socialise more and have more alcohol. You're incredibly strong. Even like all of the, all of the stages you've described so far you come across as you're incredibly strong because you're not you at no point have you um apart when you said about school and about being bullied and then you know being absent from that point everything else you've just kind of faced up and challenged so like you know you haven't you didn't just say oh we stopped going out Mm -hmm. we didn't go out you said no we went out but we found workarounds you know you found ways to get around it because other you know because otherwise you'd be stunting your life kind of thing so yeah yeah i think you just gotta yeah but i think somebody who was not kind of kind of as there's a lot of people out there that i've helped in the part over the years anyway to talk about in a bit but there's a lot of people maybe not being quite as fortunate as me i'm quite a hardy person i think quite a re- resilient yeah is the word i probably use for me absolutely I tend to come back if i can't do it right at first time i'll come back and do it again yeah and again and just keep going yeah and that what part of that is probably one comes from family, like you've just said, and yep. two comes from seeing the results of having been like that. You know, when you do something and you stand up to something and you're resilient and it works, it kind of it kind of makes you think, oh, it galvanizes you to do it again, doesn't it? Yeah. And to it challenge other things and try other things. Yeah. So it then it you know it becomes a yeah. um, you get some momentum <clears> there. Yeah. yeah. So I mean, the the next part was the next interesting phase in my life was I'm a skilled engineer now. I've met somebody I really like. Uh, we we then decided to get married in 1990. Mm-hmm. The problem is that she wanted a full kind of church wedding. Big wedding, yeah, yeah. Um, obviously, I couldn't say my vows. I couldn't have a conversation. I couldn't hold a conversation with anybody. Yeah. So we had to go to the register office mm-hmm. and I had to explain to them on my wife, well, girlfriend, then explain to them about my speech. So they had a card uh, that said on the day, come in. If you have, have a, a problem, you just you sign in, you, you fill the card in, in the register office. Yeah. So, imagine on the day, families, both families, full full house. Yeah. Gets to the wedding vows and stuff in the register office, didn't happen. Right. Card, to sign the card, and I think that was probably one of mine. So did you, you, tr- did you try, and, it did, and you, and you yeah. couldn't do it yeah. then? Yeah, you just okay. couldn't, just had locked, couldn't say, they couldn't say the words, wanted the ground to open up and kind of swallow me. Oh, I thought the worst things in life. So he said, so I signed the card and you just feel absolutely humiliated. Yeah. So I, um, uh, so you imagine what happened that afternoon. I went and I found the bar. Yeah. And there's some drinks. Mm-hmm. And the drinks went no more drinks. Yeah. And then I missed the whole evening. Uh, the wedding had to be, had to be kind of escorted home. Yeah. Um, missed the evening, do it all together. Wasn't even there because I was totally out of it with alcohol. Wow. So I was, 
mad with myself, disappointed with what I'd done, humiliated. So that was one of the, the probably the lowest, yeah. lowest kind of points. But again, my wife was there. She supported me. Always supported me anyway. Yeah, she sounds Without, like a, uh, she's a, a proper rock. She's a proper, proper rock. So I think the uh, so she was supporting me and that, and then uh, yeah, we're just going to move on. We just got on with it. Yeah, and we're life, don't you? And then uh, my youngest was born, um, ninety-three. Kelly, Kelly at the time was um, first uh, youngest, and we went off and. Um, Everything was kind of everything was fine. Debbie was doing still a lot of the conversations um, and all that until Kelly, Kelly was was starting to speak. She got to a certain age when she was starting to talk, mm -hmm. and that's when I started to avoid being in the same room and yeah. conversation. I never speak in front of her. I'd avoid conversations. She was in the car. I wouldn't speak because um, I thought she was going to get the same affliction pick it up. as me. Yeah, and then. My wife said to me, you know, at the end of the day, we need to, we need to do something about it, we need to do something about it now, basically. Because mm. uh, we couldn't continue, we, we couldn't carry on. Yeah. Kind of so she booked me into the Maguire programme. Right. Brad, the Bradford course, a new a new thing running, only had been out a few months, mm -hmm. somebody doing it, we came to Bradford. We're putting a course on, and she used the holiday money that was supposed to be going on holiday with to pay for the course to do. Oh, got, and then wow. she said, you, you booked on it and it's four days and, and there you go. And you've got to leave your, everything else behind. You go to the hotel and that's it. You don't contact home. Right. That's the Maguire program that I did in 1997. When I look back now, I'm one of the, 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 the oldest graduates on the course on the Maguire program. Mm -hmm. So I believe it started late 96. Okay. So I'm one of the- Oh, right, so you really one were one of the first, one of the, Yeah, so. Yeah. I still do the courses. Go on the courses to help others yeah. now. And one of the success stories as well. Perceived one of the success stories. Yeah. Um, and sometimes it go for me mm -hmm. to top up because it, it is a sport. Yeah. It's a, a sport of speaking, which I can go through and explain to you what that is. Okay. So basically, you, you go there for four days. So you go on a Wednesday and it finishes on a Sunday. You go into the hotel and on the Wednesday night, they film you and they get you to make phone calls and video wow. you and ask you questions. and. All they do is get your worst. How's that? Yeah, it's horrific. Yeah, that sounds horrendous. Yeah, but, but they get it on video. Mm. Um, it's your kind of worst, worst scenario you can get in front of everybody in the room. Yeah. So, so you get your, your video at the worst, worst point, and then mm. after that you do. Um, they. After that, they, the course starts and you train, and that's the, the breathing training on Thursday and Friday. Mm-hmm. The breathing scenario is the the, tra the the training like an opera singer. Right, okay. So you use the costal diaphragm rather than your crural diaphragm. Okay. So you, you breathe differently mm -hmm. to make conversation and uh, and then on the build on that about maintaining eye contact because as recovering stammer as we call ourselves, we tend to look away from completely developed people in the eye, conversation. Uh, and you do all this kind of learning, you do the public speaking bit and by Saturday afternoon the, the public speaking in the city centre. You go out in the city centre. In the city centre. Oh on my a soapbox. Wow. On and they do the, the communication where you've got to go out and you introduce yourself to a hundred people random strangers. Um, so you do all that in the afternoon while somebody's an older coach is watching you and things yeah. like that. So you imagine so you put you in put yourself in a lot of worse your worst scenarios. Yeah. So you go 
one of my favourites was to pick, when I had a new student with me, obviously over the years, you take them out and you find a, a police officer, people with authority. Mm -hmm. Priest, police officers, going to the makeup centre, uh, boats and places like that. You go into places <laughs> where you find it very uncomfortable Yeah. Uh, to have conversations. I mean, I, I, get, I get it, like, I, you know, um, I could talk to you about it all day, to be honest, or listen to you talking about it all day. It's like, um, it, the thing it makes me think, I talk about a lot of different aspects of mental health, and the, one of the things that comes back time and time again is the fact that the only person that can change anything, or whatever, you're, you know, if, if there's something that you can do something about, yeah. is you. And actually, so actually, it makes sense that this program where you're talking, you know, right from the word go, they put you out of your comfort zone and make yeah. you do what you don't want to do, because it challenges you, and I'm sure there's an emotional outpouring, and I'm sure there's <clears> tears, and I'm sure there's people getting upset, and you know, uh, yeah. and what, I mean, at the end of your those four days, you must be exhausted. So, so, so the, yeah, I mean, the days, I could talk, we could have sessions, they've filmed it for Channel 4, they've had, we've had a lot of um, people coming in to, to do the, the four days. So the four days run from like 7 in the morning till 11, 12, midnight. Wow. After midnight, in Liverpool, one of the courses, where it was 1 o'clock to 12 in the morning before Dave kind of stopped the course. Wow, amazing. So... Dave Maguire comes, uh, so I was one of the lucky ones, I did the course with him, so he was the guy that's learned things from all over the world and he combined it all into a course. David, still, still kind of have words with him, speak to him occasionally, so Dave Maguire now resides in America, mm -hmm. but this, um, the, the, the program itself worldwide. Amazing. And it, a lot of it is to do about dealing with, so it talks about behaviours, but it's, it's the sport analogy, it's a sport. Yeah. To work, you to speak fluently is a pro it's a sport. It's yeah. every day. I cannot. There's never a, a day goes by that I can't be training yeah. to become a, a fluent speaker. Yeah. So when I first met, I remember doing the course, and this is probably one of the one of the key milestones. Is Dave Maguire is an American lived in G Germany at the time. Mm -hmm. so you can imagine the slang. Mm -hmm. um, quite a pretty eloquent speaker. Obviously, being a stammerer himself. Um, goes through all his history, mm -hmm. and then he said, "You're here now. You know you've you've done the first step." And he said, yeah, "It's time to draw the sword on the king, but you have to throw away the scabbard." Right. Yeah. You draw yeah. the sword on the king, now throw away the scabbard, because this is a fight to the death, basically. Wow. It's either you or it. So that's certain certain analogies like that that kind of stick and resonate in your mind yeah feel the fear d d do it anyway yeah absolutely said, challenging challenging situations don't avoid mm -hmm. step into situations put yourself into situations you normally avoid yeah confront these kind of situations so it's all all that ethos of them four days and once you do the course you can go back year on year and do as a helping others and yeah so you must a, a network a family network now when you left there then did you have a real fire in your belly then did you like you know, were there a load of people leaving there with real kind of determination and um to, oh, it's, it sounds you can sense in the room the determination and the support from the coaches and it, it, it it's a family yeah and it's a worldwide family now Amazing. so it's about when you leave the course they have they advise you to go and you make you to phone the coaches every day, mm -hmm. ringing them, so making you use the phone calls, and then okay, they yeah. tell you to join Toastmasters and things like that. So yeah. I joined Toastmasters That's and I won some awards. That's the speech society or yeah. something, yeah. yeah. So uh, I left the course and, and I joined the Toastmasters, local one in Heaton. 
and I've won a number of awards. God, you have to be so brave, yeah. like to, to to do this on like a well, literally on a daily basis, but to do something like that, you know, there are people. Um, so many people have a kind of real fear of public speaking. You know, everybody. Um, I think everybody, unless you're well trained. <clears throat> so you have to. So on, on the course, I do tell you that. At the end of the day, you're not. Yeah, the fear's escalated. Yeah. If I before going to a speaking situation, I call it like walking to the hangman's noose for me. Yeah. It's feel you get in your stomach. Well, I remember you saying to me yeah. about if you were in meetings and we're going round the table for people to introduce themselves. The round robin, yeah. Yeah, I, I get anxious when it's coming round to say, you know, I feel like I trip over my words when I'm trying to just say my name and, and what job I do or what department I'm from or whatever. Yeah. You know, I find that quite stressful. Well, well, as a recovering stammerer, um, one of the things, one of the hardest things to say is your name. Really? So any stammerer, the hardest thing to say is your name. And you know the reason why that is, because you can't change the words, you can't change the sounds. Ah, right. You can't wing it, you can't can't put the filler words in. Tricks. You can't put tricks and changes in. Okay. It's an absolute, that's why, when you do the round robin, for me that's one of the... That's one of the hardest things. One of the hardest things. But I put myself in situations. I think if I said, I don't want to deal with this, or why, if I think if I raised it, people would stop doing it and everything else. But you've got to have them conversations. Mm. And I put them in myself in them situations now because I have to challenge myself. Yeah, yeah, That's yeah. part of my challenging me. I think, I mean, so much of this is down to, you know, I know I've just said this already, but time and time again, what you're saying is that you challenging yourself, having the desire and the drive to, to work on it every day, you know, and understanding it's something that you have to work on every day. And that feel the fear and do it anyway, you know, is a really good mantra. And it is, the fear never goes away. You know, it just, but certain things get easier. Yeah. And, you know, and you can, man- yeah, manage is a good word. You can manage different um, scenarios and, and things. So, um, just, we've got a few minutes left. I really want to hear the end of the, oh, right. Oh, right. the, the, the story that I I've know. got a whole horse more. There has to be a second we can keep, we can, Yeah, we can do that. Yeah, we've um, got it. Well, it's the big thing then. So I did the course in 97. I train other people. I train myself. And I go supporting others. That's why I think that's my, that's my kind of ethos. Anyway, that's um, on the 20th, what would have been the 20th anniversary, I'd already planned. By that time, I got three youngsters, Zoe, and Luke as well, mm-hmm. to the family. Um, for for a year, we planned to have another wedding, and we planned that the girls were going to be the bridesmaid, the mm-hmm. son was going to be uh, the bridegroom, mm-hmm. right? The, yeah, the, the, the best man. The best man, yeah, sorry, yeah. yeah, best man, sorry. Yeah, it was always planned to be in that. I did the interview with the priest because it was going to be at church. Yeah, we got the car, everything organised, and then um, on a special event just leading up to them a few months before. I saw the wife, we were at uh, somebody else's day with a function and asked her to marry me again for the, on the oh, 20th. Yeah. Yeah. First, actually, she said, she, could, could she think about it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Thank God she accepted anyway. So we did the, uh, so we had it on the 20th anniversary, we had the, the, the second wedding. Yeah. We were called Deja Vu. So the cards and the invites, we had the same. So we had a, a church wedding, but we had the same venue in the afternoon. We invited the same people, yeah. did the same venue for the evening. We got all the same people came round again, and uh, yeah, we did the. Uh, and the, you, you'd be glad to know that the the vows and what have you were absolutely spot on. Oh my god, I proper, can't proper nailed it that day. I just can't believe yeah, that. I yeah. just. I I've got to, I've got to thank my 
my girl, my daughters, and I would have thanked Luke for being there on the day. Yeah. Um, yeah, and we did. And Debbie did. for turning up. Debbie for turning up. <laughs> yeah, Debbie for turning up. But on 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 that day, I think the, the day my son had got me well organised. When they see see my mum because she's really ill, what have you, with Alzheimer's. Right. And to do that, that was quite upsetting. What have yeah. you there? She couldn't be there. When they see when they see my dad's grave, what have you? Did all that? Did the usual stuff? And Jesus, what Terry. Preparing. Honestly, the yeah. emotions oh, yeah. on that day. How did you how how did you get through the vows? How did you do? How did you do it? I just can't get my head around how you did it because the the pressure must have been pressure, insane. Pressure was intense, and yeah. to get it right, and people are watching and waiting for you to stumble. But I think it's all about it's all about the family. But yeah, I can yeah. I, I can imagine people almost like being on tiptoe and leaning forward and willing yeah. willing you to willing to do, to land it. Yeah, so, yeah. There was no way I was going to fail. No way I was going to fail, and many people have done the course to do to do what I've done. Either do the public speaking for the the daughters and the sons' weddings. Oh wow, yeah, things like that. Yeah. Or I mean, I did, what I did mention when when my youngest was when she were uh, what what I really wanted to do when I did the course was I just wanted to be able to read to her at night, mm. read a story. Yeah, and I could never do any of that. And yeah, I'd just avoid any contact. Yeah, uh, that was probably one of my main levers I think to, to do the course when I when I wanted it when I did. Yeah, the drive. And, and to be able to do that and then sit back and So did you, so you were able to do that after the oh, yeah, course? You yeah, were able yeah. To, yeah. Well through through the through the childhood, through the through their early childhood they didn't realise I had a stammer. Yeah, so I remember you saying this to me and yeah. and so um so when when you told them about that, were they confused? Were they like, what are you talking about? Or I think it uh, kind of brought them around to kind of educate so they weren't confused they were interested yeah. and I think that in the earlier years I'd talked to them about them maintaining eye contact yeah. I'd taught them how to public speak mm-hmm. I'd taught them they, they took it to school they used it every day right. it was kind of almost because the course itself is not just about learning to speak being a fluent speaker or working towards fluency it's about being that kind of individual yeah. with your emotions your behaviours mm-hmm. yes eye contact yes public speaking Acting, claiming your own space. We, mm-hmm. were, we would do all that on them four days. It sounds like an incredible course. It sounds like an incredible course. Oh, oh yeah, if you, get, if you see it, it's been on, on TV and what have you, need to watch it. Oh, we all do. So, do you, are there, I mean, we've got, say, we've got, we've got a, few, a few more minutes because yeah. I just I don't want to stop talking about this. Um, are there triggers then? Are there triggers that you're aware of? Like, are you, when you're in certain situations where you, where it tends to be like flare up, if that's the right expression. No, I think there's a specific. I'd say it's there all the time. Mm-hmm. But I'd say when you get certain formal rooms, I call them formal meetings. I can't think them's quite easy to prepare for. Yeah. When you're doing public speaking anyway, but I think everybody has that kind of fear. Yeah, I just yeah. I just use it as a I rather than, rather than the flight, I use that as my adrenaline to to, fight. to land it and yeah. do it. So I'm the opposite. I will run away from it. I run towards it. So it's you you try and embrace it, kind of thing. I so I mean, so much of that for you personally, because obviously, if there's a lot of people listening to this who um, who who struggle with their speech, have speech impediments, they might be thinking, "God, I wish I could do that. I wish I could do that." Um, And you know, I'm sure it's different for everybody. But um, that's is that would that what would be your advice then? Is that is embracing it the I think my, I think my advice would be, yeah, there is something out there. Just keep working on it. 
you just need, need to challenge yourself. There's people out there willing to support you. Mm. A lot of people, isn't there? So the support is there, I think, for for everybody. But again, I think it just goes back to the old adage, what I said earlier, you just got to ask, seek out the right people, ask the right questions. Yeah. Just do it. <clears throat> yeah. And try and be positive and get that mindset to go and challenge the norm. Yeah, yeah. Well, look, I'm, I really appreciate you coming on to the show. Um, you can come back anytime you like. And we can um, we can talk about more more of the yeah. stuff. Um, but yeah, thanks Terry, that's been great. Well, I'm just going to finish up before you before you finish. Go I've just got just me, me icing on the cake. I think it's for for these others about starting starting workers not being uh, a speak to avoiding speaking situation and everything else. And mm. um, we did the course and the marriage and the wedding vows and everything else. We just wanted just to say that we went back to university and did a um, certificate of management. Right. Graduated certificate of management. Two diplomas in management, two graduations, <laughs> diplomas, management, and an MBA. Amazing, amazing. And, today as head and of now you're a head of a head of service in that, like, yeah, it's incredible. It's it's yeah, it's an you. incredible story, and I, I don't say this lightly. They've got to make a film. Ah, <laughs> like, yeah. They've got to make a. One of my daughters has said that already. I so. mean, the wedding thing. I you know I just honestly just that just blows me away that like every time I think about that. So. Um, yeah, look, thank you so much, Terry. And oh, thank, you. thank you guys for listening out there. Please follow me on Twitter uh, at Mental Comms. Uh, follow me on Instagram, Mental Conversations. Um, and another episode will be winging its way to you soon.